here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. And I'm glad to have you back once again on the Dharmic Evolution. Hey, everybody, if you're digging the show, and I know you are because you've been telling me that you have been, you can go over to dharmicevolution.com, go and click on your favorite platform to launch podcasts. And we got the four biggies up there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or have you checked out Overcast? That's a really cool one. It's got some great features on it. So please do that. So every Friday, the show comes right to your phone. When you get up first thing in the morning, you can have it with your coffee. So we got a real branding treat today. We've got this man who is an artist. He's a creator. And um, this is going to be special because for everyone out there, especially you singer-songwriters and also my author, speakers, and thought leaders who've been on this show, check this out. Um, this man, he's equally at home on stage before thousands or working on designs for cutting edge brands. He is a fabulous creative force. Now based in Nashville, Tennessee, he was born and raised in uh, right near Sydney, Australia. An accomplished singer-songwriter, artist, photographer, and designer, and has a rare combination of charisma and ingenuity that means he's constantly in demand. But that wasn't enough. The creativity just kept on coming. In 2015, along with Melissa Kaur, his partner, the pair launched Dead Horse Branding. This 360-degree creative management company provides creative art and brand management. Combining his across-the-board art and design direction with Melissa's visionary approach to marketing and management, you better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution from the Music City with Rick Caballo. So, Rick, uh, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. I know, it feels like uh, we're all bunkered down. You've got your little man cave there that you're in, COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Long way from home for you, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Australia, of course. Um, I've been here nearly 10 years. So, And prior to uh, the 10 years, I was coming back and forth for four years. So I've seen this place change dramatically. Wow. That's, um, that's something. And, yeah, I, I kind of did the same thing only from New Jersey, not from uh, many continents away. And, <laughs> and, and I saw the same thing you did. I started coming down to Music Row about six, almost seven years ago. And working on projects and every time i came down it was like i just saw this city blowing up and now it's sort of like little mini lower manhattan with the cranes and the office buildings and the parking and it's just gotten uh like a runaway train you know all right and and it's like i wish i bought real estate back then or more real estate it's like you just don't know right yeah yeah, and it's. I think it's got a a lot for. We'll probably see a a, a retraction here and there, but um, but I think the long play is going to be good for this city. You know. As yeah, as I think it's well insulated. Um, you know, there's a lot of business surrounding. It's not just music, obviously. So yeah, a lot of uh, different uh, avenues where people make a lot of money. So and industries. So it's we're we're good, I think. Yeah, like the NFL, for instance, and uh, you know all the professional sports coming in and. It's just layer on layer on top of layer of, you know, exponential growth in all these different areas. Pretty crazy. Yeah, hopefully they can sort out the traffic 
<laughs> That's why <laughs> I'm west of the city. <laughs> yeah, I'm spoiled, man. I, I don't have to leave unless I'm going downtown. I choose when to go. Um, so tell us about like the journey since you came over here. You've done a lot of things. You're obviously a singer, songwriter, musician. Um, you wear a lot of different hats, and now you're really uh, pushing the uh, the levers on the branding, the artistic side of branding and uh, fashion, which uh, I was pretty amazed at checking out um, some of the, the products and things that you've created. Um, how did you get into this? Was it a slow burn as you just kind of like gradually started tinkering? Yeah. Or? I mean, I've been designing since I was a little kid, so... Um, my first love is design, anything design. So these days I'm designing motorcycles, fashion, artwork, CD covers, photography, anything to me is design. Any creative outlet to me is, is design. Right. So, uh, so it's not, it was like you say, it's a slow incline, but I've been doing it since I was a kid, you know, and um, I, when I was in Australia, I had my own company um, as a, had a sign company. So we used to do signage screen printing t-shirts i used to do all the big band merch in australia for the big bands right. and then i would leave i got to a point where i'd leave my staff i had two staff there and they'd continue working and i'd come to the u.s tour for the u.s musically and go to europe come back go to the u.s go back to australia and then pick up go back with no money <laughs> and then pick up where i left off but uh, it was a successful business and um i you know that's where i learned a lot of my design skills and Creative creativity, so um, slow climb, but music and and art. I guess you know it's a creative process. So it's to me, it's just a visual thing. I'm just putting uh, an audio sound to what I see to a visual concept. I guess. Yeah. So so yeah, but it was when I met uh, my wife. Now she featured in one of my music videos, and um, she saw that I had all this great merchandise, and I had all jewelry pieces that I was making for the bands and, and, and for our band. Uh, and she said, well, who's doing that? And I said, oh, I'm doing it. And she goes, oh, wow. And then she formed this fashion company out of what I, what I did. So I'm, I'm pretty much the uh, juice and she just squeezes it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's well, great. I mean, uh, there's definitely a need out there for like really good, um, you know, like fashion merchandise for for recording artists because there's not a lot to choose from you know i mean i remember getting frustrated walking all over manhattan like even in the village trying to find like you know funky clothes that i felt fit me as an artist like what do i want to wear that's like really you know you can't go to uh, macy's to find this stuff yeah <laughs> i mean these days the licensing's getting crazy it's great you can go to lucky brand and get an aerosmith t-shirt or rolling stones which is fine Right, but um, with us, it was. I didn't want if I'm going to buy a merch shirt, going to a concert. I don't want to see Luke Bryan's head like this big on it. I want to see a cool piece of artwork or what? Sorry, Luke Bryan. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like a nice piece of artwork where it's like, oh, I could wear that out in town. It's not. I'm not going to look like an idiot with a tour shirt with you know all the dates in your back on the back. Right. So, and my merchandise, my band merchandise, turned into the fashion label that became Corello and we were in 200 stores in the first year. Really? Um, it was not, I don't take credit for that. My wife, Melissa, who was amazing at, at um, getting to the right stores and sales. Um, so it just, it, it, because I wasn't featuring as band match, it just looked fashionable, man. It just looked fashionable, you know? Yeah. So 
that was that. And um, I was coming over here musically and, and doing the both things at the same time because everyone would be like, who's doing your photography? Who's doing your merch? Who's doing your websites? I'm saying I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, and what happened is we, we got some interest from Duck Dynasty. Really? Jeff and Jessica. And they wanted to work with us. And initially we said no. And we said, we're, we're too rock. And they're like real redneck, um, upper redneck. Um, and we sort of said no. And then we realized, well, you know what? They got a, a big reach. It was at the height of their career. And um, we started working together. And, and that's where it's, the branding company started. Like we realized there's a lot of holes in the marketplace that we could fill, um, especially in the music business as, as right now our a lot of our clients are music clients, probably 50-50 are music clients and corporate and some in the chef world or in the, the real estate world, the motorcycle world. So it's, it's been good. It's the same formula pretty much, but our strong points of fashion, music, and I guess motorcycles right, right now. Yeah. Do you find that being a musician yourself, is that the easiest um, target for you? Is it easy to get into uh, to approach artists and and get the awareness um, around your brand for for music singer songwriters or whatever um, bands? I, I don't think it's the initial thing, but yeah. I think once they sit down and meet with us, they go, oh, because you know you know what it's like. It's it's a it's a tough game. And if you haven't um, been out in the road, experienced it, if you haven't driven six hours played to five people and then not get paid and they get punched out and have to drive back. <laughs> you really don't know. You really don't know how serious because a yeah. lot of the kids today, they, their parents got a lot of money or they're, they're famous on Instagram for really not playing music. Yeah. And it's, you really got to experience that. And so once they, once our clients see that they get it, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah. You know, same as producers that, that actually play music and write songs and all that sort of stuff. So, it's um, you you know what the next move is going to be for them, rather than you just sort of some marketing agency that's going, oh, you got to wear a blue shirt and you got to do this to your hair, and you know it goes a lot deeper than that. And yeah. to us, it always stems from the song, right? Um, uh, with anything, if it's not a good song, you know, it doesn't matter how much you produce it, it's still going to be a crappy song. But a yeah. crappy song played on a, you know, if you heard all along the Watchtower or or Stay Out of Heaven on a cassette tape on a demo, it'd be still a great song. Right. You know? So, so yeah. So, yeah, it is. it does make a difference. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I find a lot of the younger artists ha have a struggle with this, the kids that are growing up. Because I've had, I've had people on this show from 15 all the way to people in their 70s, you know, who, who just, you know, are still out there playing. And there's no difference as far as commitment goes. But the younger kids, I found a lot of them are, um, you know, they're driven by this, they're, they satiate towards, I, I have to make it, I have to be like Beyonce or something. And it's, it's like, you know, I've spoken to some of them one-on-one, -on -one. this one girl in particular, she's only 17 or 18, and she was like a mess about... Like, I'm just not going to make it. My parents are putting so much pressure on me. What are you doing with this music thing? And I said, you got to decide, like, if you're a musician, you're going to love that your whole life or you should stop doing it. I mean, you know, mm. if you're in it for, you know, the, the passion of, you know, satisfying yourself for writing a song and being an artist, that's one component. If you can li link it to being a monetization thing, great. If you can't, you still have to love it for what it is and not, you know, predicate your success upon 
how many people like me and how many hit records and all that because that's a that's a tough road you know to do all that. yeah i mean i think as well with the internet i think for the young artists these days you've got a lot of pressure coming from how many likes do i have yeah and that sort of stuff but at the same time you can get your music out there to everybody yes so it's sort of a you know blessing and a curse at the same time but the work ethic of actually performing your craft in front of people and getting out there and being that, that little tool bus and, and, you know, having the ass hanging out of your pants because you haven't got money. <laughs> that, that's, that's a real uh, humble experience that you should experience to, to be able to be a great artist, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What, got, what got you started? Was there a series of, um, like, artists that were influential over you as a, as a youngster growing up? That they'd fueled oh, your yeah you know. no, totally. I mean, you two, Bob Dylan, the Rolling Stones, yeah, a little bit of the Beatles. I mean, I got to like, like the Beatles later, but I, I'm more of a greasy, uh, imperfect artist in the music. I mean, I won't lie to you. I came over here to be a rock star, right? And um, and as things progressed and and, and moved on, and it's like, man, I'm just getting my ass kicked, and um. And then I started doing the branding thing and, and then I realized I got to a point where, you know, as you get older, you're like, okay, we'll do another year or whatever, but I'm okay. Like originally I came out to be a rock star, but then I was like, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay just playing to a small bar of people or, or, or sometimes I'd get flown up to, to do a gig in Vegas in front of, you know, 5,000 people every now and then, you know, yeah. and I'm like, no, I'm okay with that. Right. No one knows me, but I'm, I'm okay with that. And then it became... Uh, because it was a little bit of a struggle, like what am I doing here? And then the business became a success and uh, helping other artists try and make it and, and, and see their, where they needed to pick up their downfalls and, and lift their gain. Um, I was able to achieve that for them by my experiences as well as my branding knowledge of design and, and my wife's knowledge in, in the PR, sales, and marketing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Where did you meet your wife? Here, or, or? it's. I'll give you a short story. It's a funny story. I'm in Nashville playing a gig at the Hutton. No, it was at the Blue Bar at the time on uh, Division Street. And this big, big redneck guy comes up. Sorry, Dan, if you're watching. <laughs> and he says, "Oh, he says you're from Australia." And I said, "I said, I said, yeah." He goes, "Where are you from?" I said, "Sydney." He goes, "Oh, you ain't know my French. He's from Wollongong, which is a small town south of Sydney." I'm, like, I'm from Wollongong. Yeah. And he, and he, uh, I said. Who is she? And he told me a name and I went, no, nah, I don't know her. So I go home that night in Nashville, Google her, and there she was on MySpace modeling with my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so I reached out to her, hey, how are you? I've met your friend, blah, blah, blah. And we, we exchanged conversation for a couple of times. And then two years later, I'm playing at the Hutton Hotel, that same guy. Hey, you're that Aussie, Aussie guy. Did you ever meet my friend? I said, no, but I went back. This time I was on Facebook. Hey, how you going? I just met your friend again. I'm coming back to Australia shooting music video. I'd love for you to be in it. And um, at the time, I had a my profile name was Pablo Sanchez, and I had this Mexican guy, big mustache, and whatever. <laughs> and my my wife now looked at it and went, oh, "This guy's creepy," but okay, we'll see what happens. And um, <laughs> so we shot the music video, and we've been together ever since. And she was coming over to Nashville anyway. She's a she was a performer as well. She was a professional dancer and had two of the casinos dancing um behind uh music acts and stuff so so yeah so it's it's been interesting so we both came to uh, nashville and 
we literally came with two. I sold my Harley. I had a Heritage Softail I sold to come over here, so I used that money. She brought two suitcases and a little bit of cash, and now I've been able to uh, do very well. We've got a great staff and, and we've got great clients, and, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling for me to be able to, you know, be in a, a backyard party hanging out with Steven Tyler and people are playing music or Mark Jordan from Canada who's a hit songwriter who's written songs for Rod Stewart and sure. And we've yeah, he friends. was on the show, Mark. Yeah, yeah, he was an awesome guy. Yeah, really enjoyed his his stuff. He is amazing. So we get to we get to work with some great guys, especially even the younger ones that we believe in. That they're just a you know a little rough piece of coal that we're going to shape into a diamond. And um, even you can see the ones that you know are determined and they're hungry, um, especially if their parents have got money. If they're you can see if they're hungry or not, because most of the times they're not hungry. Yeah, expect everything laid out to them, you know. Because someone told me, like, if you got a manager, and they're getting ten or twenty percent of your work uh, of your funds, then you should—they are only doing twenty percent of the work, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're expecting you to do a hundred percent of the work. You and, know, um, that's amazing that you you traipse from Australia all the way to Nashville to Europe back again, and then you end up meeting. Your, your love of your life in your own backyard from the same town that you grew up in. <laughs> She's 10 minutes away. So she was 10 minutes away. Can you believe that? That's wild. Um, when we go be. back to see family, it's really easy. Yeah, yeah. It's 10 minutes. We don't have to go to other states and stuff. So it's, right. it's good. That's nice. Speaking of going back, how often do you do you get back to uh, Australia? Do you go like once a year or is it like whenever yeah, the mood hits you? Yeah, we go back once a year, sometimes twice and and. Nowadays, the last probably three years, I haven't been playing much. I've just been focusing on the business, and I still write songs and that every now and then. But I used to go back a lot and play a, a string of shows, and then come back over here. And we we try and avoid the winter here. Head head down yeah. for summer in Australia for Christmas, and then come back. Smart man, I'll tell you. But, I mean, right now um, with this COVID thing, we're, we're hoping to go back to Australia at the end of the year. But who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Scary times. All the planes have been grounded. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, you still see. Like I saw one the other day fly. I went, "Wow, they're flying again." I know it's been so quiet. Like, um, yeah, I'm real sensitive to that because obviously, use you know, doing broadcasts like this, you're sensitive to like noise and they pick up everything. And uh, planes, if you're not in the right place, can be a problem. But it's just like there's no air traffic at all. It's just kind of crazy. There's nothing up there. Mm. Hey, you folks um, who on the podcast can't see this, but you will on the TV show when we release it. But I love that mural behind you of Keith Richards. Yeah. That is so cool. A little slice of Rick's work, which is really, really, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, some of the stuff yeah. you've come up with is just, is just great. Just great. I'll, uh, I'll flick on around here on this wall. Oh yeah, nice. It's, uh, Very nice, nice studio, man. Really. really oh, this great. is our this is our kitchen. So, uh -huh. um, at the staffs at the office, and we're um, we're here working from our home office. We just had a child um, recently. Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. But we've been trying to keep it contained and have everyone stretched out in the office. They just went back to work this week, and you know it's super important. Like our biggest investment. Uh, in ourselves as our staff and then right. we're lucky we got great workers and we want to make sure they're safe and we want to make sure we're safe and our new child's safe so yeah um, big shout out to nicole thank you nicole uh, she's, she's awesome. a legend yeah she's, she's, she's a legend she's just great um 
So tell me, give us a a snapshot of your day. Like your day is probably not typical because you do so many different things. But do you, I'm kind of, um, I'm always interested in people's, um, you know, their religion as far as their work ethic, their habits, how they how they construct like a work day. Do you like really organize it and schedule it? Or does it, do you kind of make it up as you go along? How do you yeah, do it? I, I am semi-scheduled. Um, <laughs> my wife is to the second like this yeah and we've got we've got great um work management programs we use um asana which keeps it all intact for workflow coming in and going right um, which is a great program um and then you know we've got great staff that pick up the pieces and, and when we need but mel is a massive she's an amazing manager and she's she's got it down to an art me not so much right um, because I'm, I'm i'm a creative and, and I, I don't want to use that as an excuse but my mind is thinking about stuff all the time. Like I'll come back with at a group meeting and say, okay, we're going to do this. And they're like, oh, how the hell are we going to do it? And I'll say, I don't know how we're going to do it, but you let's work it out, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but my, my day, you know, we go into the office at, at nine o'clock, uh, maybe sometimes 10 now that we've got the kid where we're, you know, a little bit looser with this COVID, but, um, you know, see the staff, make sure everything's running good. Um, do some work, you know, I might do a website, I might do a logo, might design some other stuff. Um, or before lunch? Have, yeah, or before <laughs> lunch. And then afternoon, um, come home. But we also got clients in Australia. So four, from 4 o'clock to maybe 10 o'clock, we're speaking to our Australian clients and vice versa. So when we go back to Australia, we get up at 3 in the morning we chat with our um, staff in Nashville who is in the afternoon, probably about two and three in the afternoon or, or a little early, I think 12. And just we just keep it rolling like that because, um, yeah, we, we're trying – we've got some clients in Australia that just want to – especially musicians, they want to come over here and they, they want to know what to do and how to, how to go around it and navigate around Nashville. And as you know, it's not – doesn't matter about the talent this is there's a line you got to jump in that line or you need to find someone that can bypass the line and move you to the front um and it's not necessarily about talent anyway i mean talent's a big part of it but it's also work ethic and are we going to trust that you're going to turn up to a gig in time are you going to put the effort into writing new songs and and are you going to you know train and be fit so when you can when you go on the road are you going to be able to keep up you know all that sort of stuff so it's not necessarily about talent and it's also about um personality too yeah if you're an asshole then that's not going to last long <laughs> working with people right so yeah it, it is it is it has to be the whole package you know and uh, a lot of people don't understand that it's no different than being a professional athlete you got to really have all your you know all your things together um hey, I, had a, I had an artist speaking about that and say uh hasn't toured or done any shows for about a year or so. And it's like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm like, well, you need to do some more live shows before you do this big gig. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm like, no, it's like, you know, you know, a show is worth four rehearsals, five rehearsals, oh, you know, because, yeah. because when you go out there, you guarantee you're going to mess up. Yeah. So you need to have that string. So it's all fluid. It's running good. You need to be out there in front of people because it's a big difference between playing live and then playing in your bathroom on Instagram or, right. or whatever. You yeah. Know? So, so yeah. So interesting. Hey, you didn't share it with me, boy or girl? 
Little girl. What's her name? Um, so her name's Felix Rose. Felix Rose. Oh, cool. Very cool. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is uh, Alice Cooper's bass player, Chuck Garrick, we had a party hanging out. And he's like, Rick, um, you, you need to call her Felix uh, after your grandfather. I'm like, that's a bit crazy, especially like Alice Cooper. It's a girl's name with a, with a, uh, to a man. And Felix is a man's name to a girl. Um, when we found out that we were pregnant, um, my grandfather just passed away and his, um, his name is Felix. And my grandmother's name's Rose, her middle name. So we just called her Felix Rose. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been cool. It's been interesting. So how does it feel to be a dad in, amongst all this uh, other joy that you got going on? <laughs> uh, you know what it's uh, it's it's amazing like i mean you know it's gonna be amazing but until you have one it's like wow you don't realize but yeah we were we were planning on quarantining anyway for six weeks right the nashville tornado happened the next day we, we gave birth to felix the so day we, after we're, wow. yeah the day after so wow. so we were in quarantine anyway and it was like okay it's just normal we just you know no sleep looking after the baby and whatever now it's like okay, we're ready to go out and see people and hang out. Um, but it, it's been good. And like I said, it's uh, thanks to our staff and that, that help and, and Melissa's managerial skills, it's, it's been running pretty good so far and she's healthy and all good. So we're, we're happy. Yeah, it she's is. She's an American. She, we've been trying to be American. <laughs> we'll, not, we'll, we'll get um, some sort of green card here, but now she's American and we're Australian. Wow. <laughs> So it, when we go back, we have to get her a passport to be an Australian. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, it is, it is kind of uh, delightful to get out and just do something simple. You know, like um, I do a lot of nature stuff. I'm in the woods a lot, and I run now too. So um, I've been doing hot yoga for like 15 years straight, like three to four, five times a week. And I had to stop that, of course, because so I started running because my fiance is a runner. She's like a real runner. She's done all the marathons, money. So she's training me. And I'm like, all right, man, I hate it. But but I, after six weeks, I'm getting well, better at it. That's you know? good because I've put on four kilos since uh, <laughs> since this COVID thing. And I'm that's like, oh, I got to get problem. out. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. It's like people are just I, uh, like. I got mountain bike riding in uh, Percy, Percy Warner. Uh -huh. I love I love it. You know? Yeah. It's a great, great tracks. But. It's raining all the time in this COVID thing. So it's like, oh, that's can't a little do depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix. Hey, oh, yeah. Right. Netflix <laughs> is cleaning up, you know. <laughs> Tell me about um, like best client for you, Rick. Like, is there a specific um, area that you guys like taking, taking for example, um, your marketing company, Dead Horse Branding? And, and incidentally, where did the, the Dead Horse Branding come from? Any story to that? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a little story. Um, so my name, I'm Spanish. Um, our whole family's Spanish, and my last name is Caballo, which means horse. Oh, okay. So, um, so when we're doing the Corello brand, we had this design, which is the logo, uh, and it's a skeleton of a horse. Dead. Uh, so we just called it a dead horse T-shirt design, and then that was the fashion design. Then we started the branding company, and we went, oh, we'll just use this design and. We just call it dead horse branding. But to, to us, it signifies, you know, stop beating the dead horse and get things done properly. But it's also the fundamental framework of, you know, of, of life, you know, the, of anything really. The framework is so important. And to me, the skeleton frame, you know, when you put the flesh on it and all the parts on it, it holds it all together. 
Um, so it's the same, the same as with marketing and branding. You know, you've got the branding component and then you've got marketing, PR, design, uh, photography, all these components that are attached to the framework. So that's that's where that came so from. So is that is that an Australian um, like is that a is that a word that gets thrown around like like a phrase like hey man you're a yeah, dead yeah. horse oh it is oh okay got stop, it stop yeah I don't know if they have it here but stop beating a dead horse yes yeah and it's, yes. it's an Australian thing we do have it yeah <laughs> yeah so and and it's it's been hard with us especially um, you know with our accents you know you're on the phone with an automated telephone and they're saying okay say a number and you say five seven eight and sorry i didn't get that so you have to put an american accent on and all this sort of stuff <laughs> which you probably it's, it's hate fun. right i mean people tend to love the uh the british and the australian accents yeah um, i mean it's i i hate watching now tv shows in australia now because it's like oh we sound funny no, I this. love it. I've had uh, I've had quite a few Australians on this show, and uh, Susan Moranti actually. Uh, when you hear this podcast, you'll hear the intro is Susan Moranti from Australia because she's got that she's got that great voice, and I just love. This. Man, there's so many here in, <laughs> in Nashville from Australia. Yeah, it's Crazy. it seems to be um, it's it's happening all across really the world. I mean, so many people are moving to Nashville, not just in the States. A lot of people from the North are moving down and Californians and Texans are moving here and, uh, and, and yourself and, and people from Europe too, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a great place. It is a great place. So, yeah. Um, I hope not too many people more move here because it's starting to get a bit crowded, but it's, 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 it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's it's a, it's an eclectic crowd, and um, you know all the rocker guys that are coming over, um, you know that live here too, which is great because that's I'm I didn't come here for country music. I'm more of a rocker guy, and yeah, um, that excites me too. Like working with different clients all the time rather than just country, country, country. Right. You know, it's 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 got a broad range of different uh, different people. Yeah, my first trip here was um, I met a producer in L.A. a couple of years before I first came down here. And she was listening. And I was self-producing at the time. And we talked. And then and we didn't see each other. And then uh, a couple of years later, I sent her a couple of demos. I said, I'm thinking of recording these. I wanted her to be involved. And she said, come on down. I just moved into a brand new studio, Music Row. And um, I was a little reticent because I felt the same way. You, you know, it's like it's that's country town. And boy, was I in for a shock, you know, I really got a taste of the musical power and, and the broad sense of eclecticity, if you will, you know, like they can play anything. It's like, it's not just country. It's like they can yeah, play rock, pretty they can amazing. play just, there's so many good people just inside and out. It's just really, really great. So did, did I answer the question on best thing no. to do or? No, I wanted. Don't, to, we, no, we'll revisit we, that because I interrupted you with another question. I'm a terrible interviewer that way. I always do that. So, um, no, but I, I thought like best client or best person for you to go after to, um, to you know, uh, promote your services to for uh, Dead Horse Branding. Like, is there a segment that you guys feel like you do such a good job with this particular sector? Uh, I mean, obviously, music, definitely yeah. music. Okay. Um, uh, fashion, but yeah, music and fashion. Um, you, we just understand it very well and we're connected very well. And one of our, and I will say that our favorite client is Tony Brown, music producer. Right. I was um, checking that out earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we get to share, like, we've not only do we get our experiences, 
performers, musicians, branding people. But then we, we manage Tony Brown who we get to hear his perspective on how he used to do things, how they used to run the record labels, how many millions they threw at this thing and it didn't work or whatever. Right. And then how he's operating now and how the, you know, we're sort of bringing, he's given us this back knowledge of the industry and we're giving him some of the knowledge now of the new technology and all that stuff and he's still got his finger on the pulse. Um, and it's it's interesting like to, to be able to not only um, uh I don't want to. I don't want to say teach a client, but like influence them and, and steer them in the right direction. But also get that reciprocating from the client as well. Right. And as you know, as Tony is an encyclopedia of music knowledge, amazing with credentials that. Yeah. What a mind. What a history. I mean, just like you could spend a week, you know, telling his story. <laughs> but but not only the the history and talent, but also just he's just a good guy. Like we yeah. travel the U.S. all the time together and i don't know many times you get waiters valet drivers you'll be in an airport in the middle of arizona somewhere like hey tony thanks you know if it wasn't for you back in 1988 i wouldn't be where i am now and just you know and and valet drivers and and you know they just love him he's just he's just a nice guy yeah when you're when you're going around the country and doing things like that are you are you going to support the people that you have in your agency, like for, for gigs or for, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So, so part of what we do is um, we do management as well. So for example, Melissa manages Tony Brown um, as well as Sam, our other uh, pub- publicist. Um, so for example, when he's speaking at NAM, we'll fly out to NAM. We'll make sure it's all, he's all good and ready to go. And, 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 you know, we don't want him like, get rock rocking up somewhere it's like this looks shady let's go you know what i mean so we're sort of protectors in that not only protectors but you know time as well times times money and you know why waste your time when you someone of that credibility you know it's not if it's not worth worth it you don't want to cheapen his legacy do you have any take at all on uh the fact that vinyl has been coming back for the last like six years straight, I believe the last time I researched it, uh, increasing sales every, every year. I do. I do. And, and again, when I first started playing music, and I don't know if this is everyone, but you get the foot pedals and the computer and 20 guitars and oh, I'm going to get this guitar. And now as you get better and that, you go, okay, I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need that. Now I've just got an acoustic guitar. Right. Um, and I feel the same with this vinyl thing. To be honest, when we're listening to music through here, it doesn't matter what's on the other side because really it's all governed by this. Um, I mean, when you're talking nano, I don't know, it's micro that I can't, I can't hear the difference between a CD and um, a vinyl recording. You know, that scratching and the warm tone. I, I, I don't hear the difference. And I, to me, it's a little. To me personally, it's a little gimmicky. You know, when you go you go to Jack White's studio and he's got the he cuts, you know, live session straight to vinyl. And that's that's a cool little gimmick. But I, I think when you're governed by these things, what's the point? You know? Yeah, that's a frustrating part for me is uh, I feel that when people pour so much of their heart, soul, energy and money into their product and it gets down to, you know, it's compressed into an MP3 and, and you're losing all those great rich bass notes. But it's also, um, it's also about convenience and if somebody's out running with, you know, the earbuds in, 
they don't care. They want to hear music, you know. So I think very people, very few people, have the time to be an audiophile and sit there in front of, like, have the room with their cool speakers and you know have the, the that lush sound, you know. Yeah, so, and I think there's there's a place for especially technology. Like people frown upon it, and like I, I think you should embrace it. But also, if you know your craft, you're okay because if you're putting in a swimming pool and the objective is to dig a hole. You can't get angry at the guy that's using a backhoe or an excavator where he goes, no, we've got to do it with the shovel. It's like, no, the whole brilliance of the pool is the shape, the design. You know, it's, it's not how you dug the hole. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so technology has its, has its good and its bad points, but I, I, think it's, um, I think it's great that you can hear stuff straight away and change stuff on the fly. Yeah. Um, but uh, vinyl, I think it's just a, a cool gimmick thing and I think it's an amazing piece of technology in itself, you know, to be able to put a needle down and go around in circles and, and hear sound, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. What's, what's most exciting for you, um, both in the business and technology? Is there, is there one thing that gets you excited? 5G, is it marketing? Is it something new trending in, in music itself or in advertising or marketing or any, anything specific that you can think of that you're looking forward to in the future as far as the business that you are in? Um, not, not really. And Mel, Melissa might, she would say that, uh, yes, but for me, not really because I'm a, I'm a purist. Like I, I've got, when I'm designing and illustrating whatever or painting this, it's not about the technology for me. It's always goes back to a pen and say, just give me a napkin. Here we go. And I, I sketch something on a napkin and then I take it to the computer. So to me, it's always the first, first thing I go to is hand idea. Um, but we have a lot of programs that help uh, make our life a lot easier with running our business and also the reach and getting uh, people out, um, out in the, you know, out in the public eye. Uh, I get, I do get off on statistics. So I, I want to know your demographics. I want to know where, where you're the hottest thing. Who's, who's listening to you? Who's buying your albums? Um, you know, why have you got a, a fan base in Germany? Let's, let's, let's find that out. And then, uh, it's a moving target when I'm, we're putting the brand together or if it's an existing brand, we'll look at those stats and they go, well, I'm country. Go, well, hang on. You're sort of country. You might be a credence country, but, you look at the fans you have over here, you got like a million fans and you're, you're going in this direction. We need to steer you back this way. So we, we get to adjust um, certain directions via technology as well. So we got a lot of tracking programs that we use where we can see heat maps of, of fan interaction where the fan base, you'd think, why have you got a fan base in the middle of Omaha? You know, Why? So we, we like to explore that and then, and then we just go down to the demographics. Okay, let's say it's a, I don't know, the, the demographic 70 years old. It's like, okay, well, it's a small window. We need to cater that. But if it's, if it's that small of a window, we, we're going to hit our shelf life and be going down there soon. So we need to bring you back down to the younger demographic. How do we do that? You know, is it visual? Is it, is it you know, is your songs or, or it might be fashion. Like the fashion looks a little old school. Let's bring it back, you know. So it's a lot of you know, pulling and pushing and, and getting it compressed right so it, um, it all balances out. So that I get off on that and we use a lot of technology for that as well, for the stats. What's the most uh, effective tool that you guys use? Is it, is it social media or is it, is it something else? Um, 
that's a Mel question, but I would say, um, I mean, social media is great. Um, you know, Spotify for our, our artists is, is, is great, but also we have uh, like we use Zoho for social feeds and be able to track things like that. Um, you know, press releases are still great, direct mail outs. Um, yeah, I mean, they all they all work in unison together. These days, yeah. you know, you're it's multifaceted. You can't just go one direction. You have to you have to be you know have your finger in your pie everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. In um we're getting to the end now, but before we before we go, I love your website by the way. Really great job. Very very creative, of course. What else would I expect? Um <laughs> so um is there anything you would like to close with as far as giving some of your wisdom out there to the we're probably up to about 100 countries that that follow this show now. So if there's any and a lot of artists listen to this show, so if there's anything that you would like to just share on the way out Rick as far as all that you have done and are doing with all, you know, your businesses and and your creative knowledge and also if you could give out your uh, website um and we'll put all your socials of course in the show notes as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks man. I mean it's very it's slick and simple um to me the the best thing for it doesn't matter if you're a musician or you're a business or whatever but your brand is the most important thing your identity right you have to compress it when when you answer the phone what are you a an asshole are you nice are you polite uh, what clothes do you wear um what what font are you using you know what's what's your brand message that's the most important so there's a lot of in the music world. There's a lot of um, artists that are sort of mixed and matched, and there's no real story to it. What's the story? Why am I going to you? Like right now, you're buying stuff off Instagram, right? Why am I buying stuff of Kim Kardashian rather than just someone else, some other bikini model, whatever? It's because their brand's tight, and they've obviously got a lot of PR and marketing behind them. But uh, you need to have a solid platform where people get it straight away or and then then you'll be able to um tailor a specific niche market so let's say your niche you're a i don't know a chinese cowboy in the middle of china and you're you're selling your music it's like it's very unique and very niche right so you need to go okay it's a niche market but that's who i am and i want a hundred percent of that niche market how do i do that so you're going to put your brand together nice and tight um that's to me that's the biggest problem is that people don't hone in on their brand and their message and their, it's, it's their identity because i could go to you know what's the difference between pepsi and coca-cola you know to me i can't taste the difference but it's the marketing and the and the branding behind it a lot of people go oh, it does taste different you know, yeah but you're talking nano for me i, I taste the same you know so it's it's definitely marketing and you know solid branding the messaging's got to be tight. Um, yeah, we deal with that a lot, you know, and the, the beauty of our company is that we can, we do everything in-house. We do all services, videography, photography, logo design, PR, marketing. Um, we do also do critical PR where we help people, you know, clear their name after they've had some wrongdoings in the courts. Um, so we get the whole picture Rather than let's say you've got an artist and you go, okay, we've got to get our T-shirts done. So you go to the T-shirt guy. You go, we need a music video. Let's go to the music video. Oh, we need some PR. And then by the time you get all the pieces together, it's all jumbled up and mixed up. So, right, you need a solid message and have it all concise and tight. That way you can project out. 
because with artists these days, if they go out half cocked, um, it's there forever. Back in the day when the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, they would be honing their brand, you know, in front of people in real time. No one saw it. Right now on the internet, you go, bang, it's 10 million people have just seen it. Back then they are honing their sound, they are honing their, their stagecraft, they are working it out. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try this next show. Wow, that was really good. Let's keep doing it. And right right now, and luckily with Taylor Swift, she learned how to sing uh, in front of people. She wasn't a great singer. And she's, she's, she's not a great singer, but she, she sings nice now. But back in the day, she, she wasn't great at it and she's learning in front of the crowd. Um, which she got through it, uh, but there's a lot of people that aren't haven't got the machine behind them, and they they have one chance and they'll just blow it. So have the pieces ready when you go out in line. Have all the brand nice and solid, so that you can attract the record label, you can attract clients, so you can attract people that are going to buy your music. Excellent words of wisdom. Really, really much appreciated. <laughs> that's that's awesome. And best website for people to reach out to you, Rick deadhorsebranding.com yes indeed okay yeah. um i just want to just want to say thank you so much for coming on the dharmic evolution i really appreciate you know all the wisdom you shared today um that was great what you just that counsel you just shared with our audience because there's so many who i know will take that to heart and think you know hard and long about their career and probably view it in a different way after hearing this broadcast so uh, so just want to wish all of God's blessing on you, Melissa, Felix Rose, and yeah. Dead Horse Branding, my friend. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Like, we, we haven't seen many people, even though we're online. It's like, wow, shake it. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, <laughs> my, man, well I hope we'll see each other when uh, this thing clears, right? I would we'll love to. Up. We'll get together and uh, have a cup of coffee and discuss Dead, Dead Horse Branding and uh, and some other things too. So I want to hear some of your music too. Oh, I, I, productions. I'd, I'd love to. So uh, be blessed, my friend, and thank you again. Likewise, man. All the best. Well, what did you guys think? From Wollongong, near Sydney, we covered a lot of ground today, Rick and I. Really enjoyed having him on the Dharmic Evolution. Always a pleasure to have another fellow Aussie in my world. We talked about a lot of things. Lucky Brand, Corello, Duck Dynasty, The Blue Bar with Dan, Mark Jordan. How about new parents on the block? Chuck Garrick, Corello Brands, Dead Horse Branding, and Tony Brown. Make sure you support Rick and Melissa, and you can do it on all the socials. They're on everything, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all the goodies. And uh, go over to deadhorsebranding.com. Check out all of the unbelievable content and products and stories that are on that website. Really very captivating. I think you'll really enjoy that. Please stop by dharmicevolution.com. Check out the 270-plus shows that we have on there. There are, um, there are musicians, there's singers, songwriters, there's authors, speakers, thought leaders. We've got photos, we've got videos, we've got blogs, all kinds of content. So surf through and see who it is that you really dig and you can support that artist. And let's not forget the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page. Get over there, post your content. If you're a singer, songwriter, an author, a speaker, thought leader, 
Do you have a new TED Talk? A new speech? A new video? Do you have a new photo shoot or a new song? Post it there and let people around the world support your artistry. That's it for me today. It's a wrap. Once again, I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.